Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life can be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, we're in for a real treat today. We have one of our favorite ministers with us today in the house, Pastor Kevin Goff. Just, uh, just by interest, because we're, we're growing so much, how many of you, by raising your hand, would say, you've never heard Pastor Kevin before? Would you raise your hand? Okay, look at this. we got quite a few in this service. Uh, you're in for a real treat. Pastor Kevin, we've, we've known each other probably 20, 25 years. He's on our board of directors. He's a personal friend that keeps checking on me, makes sure I'm treating Anita right and uh, living right and treating you well. And uh, he does that, asks me how's things going, and he won't let me off the hook. He asks, well, how's it really going, okay? It's always good to have somebody that speaks into your life and gives you direction, but also gives you inspiration and motivation. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Melissa are just those two people. We love you with all of our heart. We really do. You're, you're so awesome. You speak into us, and we are blessed. You're gonna, ladies, you're going to be in a, for a real treat this week because Pastor uh, Melissa is staying, and she'll be speaking at the ladies' sisterhood on uh, the weekend. So it's going to be super good. You're going to enjoy that. It's going to be awesome. But I'll tell you today, it's just an unbelievable teaching he has of pulling us all together because we are better together. Would you get on your feet and warm, give a warm welcome to Pastor Kev. Warm him up a little bit. Hey, come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Yeah. Hey, before you see the look at someone say, you're looking good today. I mean, even if you got to say it by faith, just say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I said first service, if you're a young man sitting by a young girl you're interested in, you didn't pick up on that line right there, you messed up. <laughs> it is so good to be back at the Father's house. I love it, love, love this church. Of course, we welcome those. They've already said it. We welcome those, the family members, join us online. They're your community. And I know that because a lot of times I'm online with them, so I see their names come up, and uh, it's just great to be here. Your, your pastors are not just friends of ours, they're literally family, they really are. All these years that we've been together and just uh, hanging out and sharing life, you know, they stay at our house, we stay at their house, it's like we, we really do know one another. Uh, we kind of have the same philosophy, we don't want to run with people in ministry that we don't know personally, and so that's kind of what we, we have here together, and so I know you know this, but God sent you the greatest pastors you can have right here in Leesburg all these years, let them know, yeah, let them know how much you love them. Yeah, yeah, and of course, sitting on the front row over by me is my best friend and my wife. Of uh, this, this next June will be 41 years, 41 years, and uh, she don't even look 41 years old. And best-looking grandmama, we call her Gigi. Our kids call her Gigi, her grandkids, and. And uh, she's, she literally is my best friend, would not want to do life without her. And of course, the Father's House, we just love y'all so much. Those of you that haven't been here when I've been here, um, you might want to just strap in and hang on, because we never know what I'm going to say when I'm in the house. We just, we, <laughs> yeah, those laughing know that that's true. Can we just pray? Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We pray, God, that you would just open everyone's hearts and minds to receive and deposit into them the things they need. God, the things that they would want to grow through and change in. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. 
I love being here on International Sunday because it's a perfect day for me because like Austin Powers, I am an international mystery man. Uh, you don't believe me? Ask my wife. She says I'm still a mystery to her. And uh, someone asked me, actually Al asked me, if y'all know who Al is, he asked me if I had any international jokes, and I said no. He said, well, since I'm Italian, since I'm Italian, let me give you one. He, he said, do you know why so many men, Italian men, are named Tony? And I said, no. He said, because when we came over on the ships, they put two New York, two, two, two NY on us, and we thought it was Tony. <laughs> and so... Uh, let me, just, let me just start this message by saying, uh, as I put it together, I thought of many things, but I thought about challenges and crises can be so strange and so different in our life. If we can think back, and most of us can, to the day that two airplanes flew into the Twin Towers in New York, there was a time when it drew America together. American patriotism was at all-time high. People came together. They didn't care what each other's backgrounds were. They didn't care what color their skin was. They came together as one people, one country, come on, one race, the human race, to talk about patriotism and to talk about being unified. Everyone say unified. And then all of a sudden, we know of another crisis we can think of that uh, happened just about four years ago. Anyone remember that thing called COVID-19? Y'all remember that? 2020 was like the year from Hades, and it had the opposite effect that 911 had. In fact, it did not unite America at all. It polarized and divided America in so many ways. As my wife and I watched, we could not believe what we would see, where America would be divided. People mad at one another. Vitriol was, was stinging hot. And some people said, you've got to wear a mask. You've got to make sure you're vaccinated. You've got to make sure you stay six feet apart. You gotta, and that was the tribe that was there screaming that. Then there was the other side. No, we believe in herd immunity. We believe shutting down education and business would be the worst thing we can do, and we found ourselves divided among ourselves as a nation. And, and, and the sad part was it didn't stop there. It came into the church world. You know, there was, there was a time when America was established, we'd begin colonies, and what we would do is we would establish schools, and we would establish houses of worship, and they would establish the culture. But over the course of time, if we're not careful, that has changed. And the church now has taken a silent backseat. They've been quiet about what they believe. And now culture is starting to affect the church. And so we are called and we have a mandate as people of God to bring forth unity. But in that, in that season, we saw it also divide the church. There were those churches that immediately closed down. They said they should not open back up. Some said they should stay closed for two years. Then there was the other side of that coin where other Christians and pastors were screaming, if you're not opening up, you have no faith, and we found the church divided. Even after the months and months and months of our church closing down in Arizona, even after they lifted all those things, we still took scornful words for opening when we did. Why? Because there was, everyone say, division. I don't know about you, but I do not like division. I, I don't like the feeling. I don't like drama. I always say, save the drama for your mama. I ain't got time for it. I don't like it. It's not in my vocabulary. Can you say amen? amen. And just when we thought things couldn't get any worse, we had the death of George Floyd, Brianna, and some of those things that took place in our nation, which were sad, sad, sad things. And we saw a higher vitriol than ever. We saw, we saw a higher disdain than ever, right? We saw some things taking place where there was discord and disagreement and things that took place that I had never seen really 
in that degree of my 60 years of living in this country. Why? Because the enemy wants to divide us. The enemy wants to destroy us. Can you say amen? And I can only imagine that during those seasons, the enemy must have been standing back laughing. The devil must have been laughing at him thinking his ploy was working to divide, but God. Come on, everyone say, but God. And there's the key right there that there's always a remnant of people called the church that Jesus Christ left here that we would unite together and remind the enemy that although he wants to bring division, he wants to destroy relationships, there is a binding power through the love of God through Jesus Christ that binds us together as one. Come on, everyone say as one. The one thing Satan wants to do is divide. Why? Because he knows one thing people forget, and many Christians forget, we're better together than we are separated. We're stronger together than we are separated. We're more effective together than we are to, uh, separated. When we are divided, we are weak and we are ineffective. When we're separated, we are weak and we are ineffective. Amen? So I believe there should be an urgency. I, I think we should keep an urgency in our life to say we are one people together in God. In fact, the Bible teaches us that in Christ there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is no male, there is no female. In the eyes of Christ, we're all one and we're collectively equal and we're all the same. Come on, so I celebrate you. Let's celebrate one another because God said we are one together in him. That urgency I'm talking about, we see where Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. He has this urgency in the message in his letter. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 10, I appeal to you. And if you stop right there and look at those first three words, I appeal to you. What, he, what he's saying is, I beg you. I urge you. I plead with you. Then he continues the message. Dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, let there be no divisions in the church church rather be one mind united in thought and purpose everyone say no divisions everyone say one mind the word division there is an important word and when you look at that you'll see that it's that it's, it's talking in such a way that it's telling us that God wants us to be together and we can see that that word division means schisma it's the Greek word schisma and it means to split a schism a ripping or a tearing apart now understand, when he's talking about that, we're called the body of Christ. Everyone say the body of Christ. And if I had a big picture of Jesus in my hand right now, every time there would be a schism or division in the church, it's like we're taking Jesus and we're just destroying and ripping apart that picture of who he's supposed to be because what he's done through his life on earth and through the word of God being left with us, he's painting a picture of who he is. He's painting a picture of who we're supposed to be. He's leaving an example of what love is all about. He's saying, in what we do, what I do on earth, I'm now going away. I'm leaving it through you and the power of the Holy Spirit to love as I love, walk as I walk, accept as I accept, and receive as I receive those around you. Amen? I mean, that's some hard stuff. Look at someone say, he's talking to you now. <laughs> but really, let, let's see what Jesus prayed and asked in the Bible for the Father to do. In John chapter 17, listen to Jesus' prayer. I pray not only for these followers, but also for those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that all who believe in me can be, and we'll say it together, one. 
right? You are in me and I am in you. I pray that they can also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. Then we skip down to verse 23. I will be in them. You will be in me. So they will be completely, everyone say it again, one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them just as you love me. There's this dynamic that when the body of Christ, the church, is unified, that when we walk together as one, as he and the Father are one, that if we come together and say, you know what, I'm going to set aside our differences, I'm going to set aside those things that divide us, I want us to walk together in unity, that when that happens, the world walks away from their job, their career, they walk away from the golf course, Starbucks, they walk away from all those places where they hear and they see the division, they hear and they see the discord, they walk into church, they see where we're unified, and it brings this glorious attention to the, to the Father God, because Jesus unified us in love and we represent then the life of God the love of God the grace of God and they know then that Jesus is real because we shine amen look at someone say shine on uh, allow me to remind you and I know it's in your notes but allow me to remind you of our title today it's one body with many parts but one goal one body with many parts but one goal or we could call it Christians gone wild or maybe we can call it Christians with an opinion. And can I just remind you that the topic we have today, many Christians have opinions concerning this topic, but our opinions do not matter. Only what God's word says matter. Opinion is like bad breath. Nobody wants it, but eventually everyone's got it. I don't know where that came from, but you, you, I'm not going to charge you extra for that little ditty right there. That's just for free. That's just for free. I decided long ago in my Christian walk to not allow my opinion to supersede the word of God. Therefore, my witness to win the loss would never be tainted by my opinion, but it would only be the truth of God's love that would come from my life, and that's all that truly, truly matters. Amen? So I caution you today, people can be very opinionated about the subject matter, but I'm going to encourage you to leave your opinions and kick them to the curb and listen to the Word of God and receive only what He would say concerning any subject matter in our life. Come on, y'all with me? Uh, let, let me say this, instead of dividing the weak, the church should be united and strong, right? Why? Because we're better together. Together can, we can resist the attack and the strategy of the enemy. How do we become one? And what will unify the church? That's what I want to address for the next few moments. I want to give you those things as we go on. Go to your notes. Let's get to that first blank. Let's fill it in. We can become unified by fighting one common enemy. One economy, one common enemy. Everyone say common enemy. Common enemy. Um, that's a big thing to look at because Christians are notorious for telling everybody what they're against. <laughs> Somebody laughed real hard. They're like, oh, I know those people. Yeah, I've been one of those people. Right, we've all been there. Where if we're not careful, we're prone to tell everyone what we're against. I don't go for that. That will never happen in my life. I don't believe that way. And we talk about all the things we don't believe in, but yet we're supposed to, and we're called by the life and the love of God to tell people the good news and what we are for. 
The Bible says it's the, love, it's the love of the Father that draws us to repentance, not telling everybody what we're against, but that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and there's good news that as bad as you are, he still loves you. Well, I'm not that bad. That's your first mistake right there because you don't think you need Jesus. You think you've become Jesus. And we might be, you might look like the Lord, but you ain't him. In other words, you're taking on some more character of his nature. That's good. But we'll always need Jesus to steer us down the right path. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms. That is our common enemy. That government of evil that comes from hell, that is what we are fighting, amen? The church down the street is not our enemy. Although I'm, sometimes I'm always shocked I haven't been arrested for arson yet because I wanted to burn a few down. Don't, don't act like I'm the only one. Don't, don't act like I'm the only one. Y'all with me? Traditional or contemporary worship is not a fight we should take. Some of you are like, well, I like the old hymns. So do I. But I can sing a new song of the Lord with the best of them. Y'all with me? The person who votes differently than us is not our enemy. That's uncomfortable. You mean in heaven there's going to be all these colors and there's going to be red and blue? You might be shocked. Because you think your party's the only one that can go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you right now, in heaven, all parties are welcome, and they're going to show up. You may as well learn to love it now. I just went for preaching to prodding, didn't I? <laughs> the person with the different color skin, different background, different ethnicity, they are not my enemy. The person who likes different music than I like are not my enemy. Although when I was a teenager, my dad was my enemy. <laughs> Uh, look at this. We have one enemy, the devil, the father of lies, the great deceiver. He is the enemy that we all have in common, and we're supposed to unite together and fight the forces of hell, not one another, and not those others that we want to judge. And say, Are they really Christian? No, the truth is when you ask that question, we're not being Christian. we got to accept them and love them and just bring them into our family. <laughs> look at John 10, 10. The thief comes only he only, he only shows up for three reasons to kill to steal to kill and to destroy that's the only reason he shows up and here's my problem with this verse with a lot of christians they try to use this verse as a weakness well it's the devil he's stealing he's killing the devil made me do it no 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 you just made a bad choice face it up and let's move on and he's like but the devil the devil's not after you the devil's not after me. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's probably some little imp that made us limp. Some spiritual darkness. But ain't the devil. The devil's busy. He's probably busy in Washington, D.C. But... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I've got friends in Washington, D.C. I'm just kidding. You know, a little bit. A little bit. But the truth is he's trying to destroy the church collectively. The devil's busy with a strategy with bigger powers to try to destroy the church collectively. 
He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill the church. He wants to destroy the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he's attacking, and that's why he's coming against us, and that's why his government is even intact today. We are supposed to be tearing down the forces of darkness, not one another. Yeah, everyone say, not one another. <laughs> Besides, let me just tell you this. That's why Jesus went in, in, all in on the church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you're in the church and you're part of the church, the gates of hell cannot come against you and destroy you. So if you're saying the devil's after you, my life's so destroyed right now, I just feel like the devil's all over me, then dip a little bit more into church because you'll be safe there. That's where Jesus resides. Amen? I mean, that's truth, right? We're just giving truth. Do you know what one of the strongest uniting forces is? A common enemy. It's a common enemy that unites us. My dad taught me and my family to never run from a fight. If somebody's picking on you, don't you run from a fight. Some families had fight or flight. My family just had fight. If I ran from a fight when I got home, my dad made me hurt worse than the fight would make me feel. And because of that, our family grew up fighting, and we, we would fight one another because we had nothing else to do, so we fought one another. We'd be fighting. Here's the thing. My brother and I could be fighting. I don't care if it was his friend or if it was my friend. As we were fighting, if someone else would jump in, I felt sorry for that person because they reminded me we're supposed to be unified. So we say, back out and step out before you get knocked out. Y'all with me? So here's the thing about the church. We're supposed to be united together, and sometimes we find ourselves bickering and fighting. The Bible talks about the schisms and the divisions, and, and when that happens, the enemy comes in many times, and we should look around and say, no, you can't walk up in here. You can't divide this. We're family by the blood of Jesus Christ. You better back out and step out before you get knocked out. Y'all with me? I mean, really, that's what we're supposed to be, not allow him to come in and bring division, but we're supposed to say, stop, this is nonsense. We're called to be united together, and when we're united like that, it brings glory to Jesus, and people believe in the Son of God. Come on, amen? I see what you're doing here, devil. Not today, Satan. Not today. That's not just a slogan we can launch around when we want, right? That, we, we have that, not today, Satan. It's all over the place now. How about when you really m m mad at someone? When you're really ticked off. <laughs> then can you control yourself to say not today, Satan? Because we're supposed to be unified and we should have one common enemy. It's not each other. It's the forces of hell. Amen? Okay, here's the second thing. There's something else that would unify the church. Number two, one common mission. One common mission. I'm telling you right now, one thing that will unify the church is everybody get busy doing something for the kingdom. The world says, I got my mind on my Got my money on my mind. Got my mind on my money. Young bloods. I don't know how I know that at 60 years old. It's my children. I just blame my children, right? <laughs> Anyone else knew that was young bloods? Lift your hand if you knew that was young bloods. Bunch of sinners. <laughs> when a mind isn't busy with something, it will accomplish nothing. When a mind isn't busy with something, it will accomplish nothing, amen? Yeah. We, have, we, we, we do the best and live the best and have the best focus when we have something to do. My wife and I have been going to Alaska. This year will be our 23rd year in a row. I've been the keynote speaker at the same conference. We love Alaska. 
it's beautiful. So every year we're up there, we leave in July, and in Phoenix it's like 197 degrees. It's hella hot. And so we try to just get out all we can. And so we're invited, and we go to this, this conference, and we, we try to spend like an extra week there just exploring Alaska. And so a few years ago, we were in Alaska, and she saw this. She loves, like, water, and whether it's the beach or boats. And she said, oh, look, I found this white water rafting. Let's go to this white water rafting. It'll be fun. I went, yeah, let's do it. So we show up, and it's Six Mile Creek. Here's what we found out when we got there. It's the one-day hardest, most difficult, dangerous day trip you can take. Wow. My wife was like, oh, this says people die. It's the most dangerous. I said, you wanted to go. We're here. I'm in it to win it now. Let's go. <laughs> because if you know me, I've got energy I ain't never spent yet, and I'm waiting to just spend it somewhere. And so we get there, and, and uh, all of a sudden we have to jump in the water fully with these floating uh, suits on. We have to swim a 1,000 yards down the river, and one guy couldn't swim. I was like, Jesus, don't let him be in my boat. Jesus, don't, <laughs> Jesus, don't let him be in my raft. He was in my raft. I ain't going to save him. I don't want to save that guy. Right? So we get in the boat, and, and all of a sudden the... The, the person that's going to guide us through, the guide says, I need somebody that's going to help me. I need somebody that's going to be intact. I need somebody that's going to be focused. Somebody's going to be strong. And row, when I say row, on the front of this raft, my wife goes, my husband will do it. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, your husband will do it. Your husband. I'm so I couldn't back out now. I had to man up. I got to do it. Right? Remember, I wanted to be there. So he says to me, he says, we're going to take off. And when we start down this river, we're going to practice. He's telling the whole boat, you better hold on to those. You better hold on to those ropes because we're going to be rowing and you hold on. And when I tell you to row, you better row and you better row hard or we're going to flip and we're going to be out of this boat. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, I'm called to attention now. And so he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take off. See that rock right there? It's a big flat rock, like the size of those big doors back there. He says, we're going to go straight at that rock. When I say row, you row. If we don't, we're going to hit that rock and it's dangerous. Okay. So we're, he says, row. I'm rowing. He says, row. I say, I'm rowing. And you row. And all of a sudden, we hit that rock. And I'm telling you, I almost went out of the raft, almost hit the rock and went, oh, he's serious. <laughs> so... We go down and we get through the twos and the threes. Finally, we get to the fours. And I mean, my wife, I got a picture of her almost falling out. I grabbed her leg. I saved her life. I, I, was, rowing and, I was rowing and holding. You see it? I have, the, I have the oar and I have her leg. I'm like, baby, hold on. I'm going to throw that guy out and you can grab him. He can't swim anyway. So we have, a little, we have a little break, you know, in between the rapids. And he says, okay, this is the fours. The next ones are the fives. Anyone want to get out now, you can get out. My wife goes, let's get out. I said, no, you wanted to be here. She says, you get out or you're not going home with me. I said, have a good day, guys. I'm out. <laughs> Here's the amazing part. It kind of gives us a thing that we have to think about in the church. That we're involved in this thing called mission. God's called us to do this thing called mission. And if we think mission and ministry is always going to be easy, we're wrong. Because there's times the Holy Spirit screaming, row, row, 
row your boat, not gently down the stream, but you're in the current now. You're in the fight now. You better get ready now. But all of a sudden, we come to the scene called Five, and we're tapping out as Christians because we didn't know mission was going to be that hard. We didn't know winning the loss was going to be that difficult. We didn't know we were going to have to find people that we didn't really want to be around. We didn't know we weren't going to be able to leave our purse on the ground anymore because those people look a little shady. We didn't realize we are going to have to feed the pimps and the, and the prostitutes the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we're saying, I'm tapping out. i got to get out of the boat. And if that's your problem, you got to say to yourself, greater is he that's within me than he that is within the world. One common mission. Come on, look at someone and say, get on mission. If we're busy with God's mission, we'll have a great life and the church will be more unified. Look at Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One mission, helping people find the love and the grace of Jesus is our mission. Do you know what many churches are known for today? Traditions buildings, style of worship, certain denominations for Sunday fried chicken on the ground. Y'all remember that? You good Baptist people, you know what it is to have fried chicken after church on Sunday. We've been there, amen? Then there's this, this group of young people now watching. They're called apologists. They walk in, and they want to tell you everything you're doing wrong because they're doing it completely right. They're called self-righteous people. And that's not really welcome in the body of Christ. In fact, that's the people Jesus fought against were those self-righteous people. Come on, y'all with me? I mean, there's a list, I think, a short list of what the church should be known for. Love, grace, generosity, justice, compassion, mercy. Come on. We should be known for the character of Christ that flows to the church because we're people who have found him. He's redeemed us, and he's called us worthy by his blood, Jesus. Can you say Amen. Jesus made this process so simple. The church has messed it up. The church has made it difficult. Why? Because the church is people, and people are jacked up. Y'all are jacked up. My wife is jacked up. I'm jacked up. Look at someone and say, you're jacked up. <laughs> Look at that. That's the best response I got all so far right there. You know, who's, you know who isn't jacked up? Jesus isn't jacked up. So he can say it in the most simplistic form of what we should be. And here it is. Look, look, look at this. John 13. And so I'm giving, you, I'm giving a new commandment to you now. Love each other just as much as I love you. Your love for each other will prove the world that you're my disciples. Did you hear it again? There it is, the connection. The church is called to be the most compassionate, grace-filled, most loving and generous place and people on earth. Then in Romans, look what it says, Romans 15. May God, who gives us patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. In that verse, the word accept in some versions, it says accepted, but it's, it's a Greek word, and it's, it's a long Greek word, and it's detailed, and it's charming, but I'll break it down. Here's what, it's, here's what it means. It means to open your arms to take another person to yourself. 
also means to take someone by the hand and walk together as a companion. So whoever comes through those doors and finds Jesus as their Lord, Jesus takes the time to redeem their lives. We together are not to judge them. We together are not thinking it's our job to clean them up. We together are to take them in our arms and hold them like they've never been held. Take them by the hand and walk with them as a companion to tell them no matter what you're going through, I'll be right here beside you. I will not leave you because Jesus is with me. And that same Jesus wants to be with you. Come on, y'all with me? So how do we do this? Like Christ did for us. How did he accept us? When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our most different from him, he still accepted us. When, when we were calling him names, he still loved us. When we were at rock bottom, he loved us and picked, picked us up and redeemed us. That's how he said we are to love and to accept others. But they're so different and, and here's what happens. I'm telling you, it happens every time. I've seen it so often, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, but you have to understand, Pastor, someone has to help them change, and someone has to clean them up. Yeah, but, Pastor, if you still got the yabbits, I call it the yabbits. Yabbit, 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 yabbit. There is no yeah, but to the Word of God. When Jesus says it, it's settled. It's not our job. Our job is to give them the love, to give them the Word. It's the Holy Spirit's job to clean them up. He'll use the word, and he'll use a lot of you when you know how to love. But if that's your mission is try to clean people up, you might want to start at your own house first. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Where does it start? It starts with us. I'm going to say us. His grace displayed their acceptance into our family. They need his compassion when they're messed up. It's time for the church to stop talking and start loving. Why? Because the church is just... I mean, the world is tired of hearing about Jesus. They want to now see him. They want to now see him. So talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than your words. And let me just close. As I begin to close, here's one, my, one, one last thought I want to give you. We can only do this through number three, one uncommon love. We have a common enemy. We have a common mission but the only way we can fight our common enemy, enemy together and the only way we can be on mission together is through one uncommon love. God's love is not common. Loving pizza is common. <laughs> Loving chips and salsa, that's common. Taco Tuesday, common. <laughs> and we love it, don't we? But God's love, that's a love that You'll never understand until you experience it, you feel his embrace. And let me just say this to you. Some people will never feel his embrace unless they feel it through you. Some people will never know the love of God until they see it in you. The only Bible some people will ever read is your attitude, your actions, my attitude, my actions, and it's got to be given through an uncommon love that's called the love of God. Amen? This should be our one and only goal, to share his love. The love of God is not common. The love of God overcomes hatred. It overcomes racism, prejudice. 
The love of God brings forgiveness and heals relationships. My wife and I have had that happen in our life. The love of God overlooks the drug addict. The love of God doesn't look at the sin within a person's life. God sees what he created in the beginning, and he's bringing them to us to love them with an uncommon love that they can't find anywhere else. Hmm. Christians... They have a lot of beliefs, and I agree with them. They, they believe that God will give them the power to get out of debt. God will give them the power to heal their bodies, heal relationships, protect them from the enemy, calm their anxiety, help them with their fears. But that same Christian will have trouble believing God can help them love someone different than them. See, because we want to highlight who we were born in earth to be more than we want to highlight who we were born again on earth to be doesn't matter to me what color you are today people say I don't see color that's a lie I see color I see it everywhere I, look I'm a whitey you don't get much more white than the boy standing right here but I love Mexican food and my soul is black I play drums like that's me that's me I'm multicultured international mystery man because the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus is in every one of us. When I got that new infusion, the new DNA, when, when they hooked me up to Jesus, okay. when, when all of a sudden he took me in for surgical repair, when he took the old heart of stone out and he put the heart of flesh in, it had blood from every one of you because it's the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no division. There is no difference. I tell you right now, I can see what color you are, but what color you are is in me because the blood of Jesus has called us to be family together. It is an uncommon love that can do that and cause us to love each other. Struggling to love others should not be from any or in any Christians or any church's world Look at Ephesians 2. It wasn't long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin Yet you let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then you exhaled disobedience We all did it all of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it all of us in the same boat It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the law a whole lot of us Instead immense in mercy and with an incredible love He embraced us He took our sin dead lives and made us alive in Christ He did all of this on his own with no help from us Meaning some of you think I shouldn't come to church because I'm so dirty. I should clean myself up I should get rid of some of these practices if they knew where I was at last night They wouldn't want me here today. Oh my gosh if anyone could just see listen You're not the only one that's ever felt that way and let me tell you something Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ and that's your feeling you do not clean yourself up and come to Christ You come as you are and his uncommon love will change you forever ever 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 And for those of you that say, yeah, but I'm born again, I still mess up, so do I. That's the real Me Too movement, Me Too. I do too. Sometimes I'm in traffic and my wife will be like, oh, that was real Christian. <laughs> well, the driver's slow in the fast lane. I can, I can whoop the devil, but that bugs me. Some of us really want to break the law. No, just go ahead and smirk at me with self-righteousness. I come long enough, I'll find your lane. I'll step on your toes in a minute. I'll find where you are weak. Because we all are. We all are. If not for the love of God, 
None of us, none of us would be worthy. But because of Jesus, amen? Look, look at this. Not any help from us. Then he picked us up, set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, Almighty God, the first, the last, the beginning, the end, Alpha and Omega. I sat with him, not because I'm worthy, not because I'm special, but because Jesus Christ's blood flows through my veins. I'm worthy and righteous because of who he is, not because of who I am. God meets us wherever we're at through the love of his son, Jesus. Uh, I heard this story of a young man named Jim. Jim would come to the church on his lunch break near noon every day. He would come to the front row and he would sit down. He would just simply bow his head down and say, Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. The pastor walking through would hear him do that and he was kind of bewildered like, he only sits down, and the only, only thing he says is, Jesus, this is Jim. So one day after Jim was heading back to work, the pastor caught him and said, Jim, I have to ask you a question. I've watched you now for several weeks. Every day of the week you come in, you sit on the front row, and you bow your head down, and you just say, Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. Why do you do that? And he says, well, it's like this, pastor. When I go throughout my day, I just feel beat up a lot. My faith takes its hits. People around me at work, the way they act, the way they do it, pressures me, it really pushes me down. It, it really grinds me and myself. So when I come to the church and I sit down for one hour and I just say, Jesus, this is this Jim, I see myself giving, I'm giving him my burdens, I'm giving him my problems, I'm giving him my pressures, and it's the only way sometimes I can keep walking. The pastor thought to himself, that's, that's really interesting. Well, after a little while, the pastor realized for a few days Jim didn't show up. So he started inquiring around, asking people, where's Jim? He went down the work and they said, oh, Jim had a terrible accident. He's been fighting for his life in the hospital. So the pastor said, I'm going to go see Jim. So he walked in and the doctors and the nurse said, Jim's, Jim's been fighting for his life. We're still not sure he's going to make it, but he's in there. And so he walked in the pastor, then he walked over to Jim's bedside and took him by the hand. Jim opened his eyes and said, hello, pastor. He said, they don't think I'm going to make it, do they? He said, Jim, they said they're not sure yet. He said, well, I'll tell you, pastor, it don't really matter. Because a while ago when they all left the room, they thought I was unconscious, and I heard them talking. All of a sudden, when they left the room, I heard this voice, and the voice said to me, Jim, this is Jesus. Jim, this is Jesus. Jim, this is Jesus. Can I just say this to you right now? I don't care where you're at. Doesn't matter the condition of your heart. Doesn't matter if you think you got it all figured out. Doesn't matter if you're mad at your spouse, mad at your kids, mad at your neighbor, you kick the neighbor's cat. It doesn't matter if you're mad at God. It doesn't matter if you've sinned last night. It doesn't matter if you sinned on your way to church. Jesus is saying, this is Jesus. I'm here for you. And this church, that's what we're all about. We're going to walk with you. We're going to link arms with you. We're going to join hands with you. And we're going to love you with an uncommon love because you are not our enemy but you are our mission. Can we just pray? Let me just pray for you. Father, I pray for every individual that's here. God, I pray that today you would meet them at the point of their greatest need, whatever it is. God, I pray that you'll let them know that they are the apple of your eye. Even sometimes as bad as we feel, you love us with such an uncommon love that it's hard to comprehend. It's hard to understand, God, but we see it in the Bible, and we know it's truth that you love us, and we have felt judged, we have felt condemned, but many times because we judge and condemn ourselves, God, we want that freedom.
We want that love. Well, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen carefully, just a couple of questions. Here's the first one. Maybe you're here, you're born again, you know Jesus Christ, your salvation's good, you know you're going to heaven, but during my talk today, God's Spirit dealt with you about some of these issues. Oh, maybe you're not prejudiced, maybe you're not racist, maybe, but maybe you've been fighting the wrong enemy. Maybe you've not been on mission as you should be. Maybe you've not been distributing God's uncommon love to those around you as you should. Maybe you're just saying in my Christianity, in my walk with God, I need some adjustments. I need, to, I need to make some alterations. I need to mature in some areas. I can feel God's spirit dealing with me right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. It'd be wrong to deny that. But if that's you, although you're born again, although you know Jesus, you feel God's spirit saying you need to make some of these changes and you want prayer and a way of asking for prayer Come on, just slip your hand up and right back down. Slip it up. Good, 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 good. Right up, right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you there in the back. All of you, thank you. God bless you. So many hands because God's word comes with that uncommon love to change us from the inside out. So, Father, I pray for everyone of these believers who just said they need to change. They want to change. They want to grow. They want to make alterations and adjustments in their faith and their Christian walk. They want to become more like you. They want to fight the right enemy. They want to get on mission. They, they want to learn to love with that uncommon love, God, not just the love that they've had, but a deeper love. Holy Spirit, one of your ministries to us is to remind us of God's word. So I pray in the coming days, weeks, months, and even years that you remind each one of these people of what you spoke to their heart today. Never let them forget it. Now, 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 one more question. Maybe you're here and you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're not sure if your life ended today and you stood before your maker, heaven would be your home. Because this is the truth. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all come short of God's best and we will face eternity one day. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to tell you about hell. I'm trying to tell you about heaven. That's what God has created for us. But because man sinned, sin passed through all of us, and sin separates us from God, so we were born separated from God. The Bible goes on to say, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. In the Old Testament, that's why they would take an animal, like a lamb, the firstborn, or what we call the spotless lamb. They would sacrifice that animal. The high priest would take that lamb without blemish, take the blood from it, and, and offer it in sac ceremonial fashion to forgive the people's sins for one year, and they would do that every year. But because a man sinned, ultimately a man would have to die. That's why Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. He lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, Mary. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where they crucified him, spilling out his blood. His blood did not cover sin for one year. His blood eradicates and erases sin from our life, past, present, and future, according to the Bible. The book of Romans says this. Listen carefully, because this is salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. That's salvation. Believing he's the son of God, confessing him with your mouth. You know, at the end of his life, when they buried him, he came back alive, conquering sin, conquering death, and we're saved. What does it mean to be saved? Well, first of all, it means saved from an empty life in this earth. That void, that chasm, that emptiness you've had. Through the years, maybe you tried to fill with drugs or alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, careers, hobbies, busyness. 
But you still end up thinking there must be more to life than this, and there is. But it's not something, it's someone, it's Jesus and his uncommon love. It's the only thing that will ever fill that void. Secondly means saved into a place called heaven. When this life is over, eternity begins. Heaven can be your reality. In heaven, there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more disease. Love, joy, peace in the presence of Jesus. With those that you love and those you influence to go with you, are you going to be there? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father who is in heaven but by me. So you must believe in Jesus. You must confess him as Lord. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, whether you're here or online, it doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you this question. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to call you forward. I want to pray for you right there like I prayed for the others. But if that's you, you know you need Jesus. You want heaven to be your future. Come on, as these others already have, just simply lift your hand up and right back down saying, pray for me. God bless you. There's one. Thank you, young lady. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young people. Someone else. Come on. I saw seven so far. God bless you. There's eight. The one there in the back. God bless you, ma'am. They're in the back. Number nine. Number 10. Thank you, sir. Those tears are from God. That's just God on you. That's God telling you that he loves you with an uncommon love. Is there someone else? You just say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that, ma'am. Is there anyone else? Come on. We're going to move on. But before we do, thank you so much. God bless you. I don't know, 13 to 14 people, but all I know is I can see God on you. I can see those tears flowing. I can see you coming to this reality. Your life is never going to be the same after today. I'm going to pray this prayer. Those of you that lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me out loud. But those of you who are already born again, will you say it with them to support them? Let's all do it together. Father, come on, everyone together. Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on the cross. He was buried and rose again. Jesus, I confess you now as my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Make me new. From this day forward, I place my life completely in your hands. And I place myself in a local church to learn more of you. That through greater knowledge of who you are, I will grow in deeper love with you. Come on, welcome these to the family of God, church. Come on, celebrate. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.